Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. If you were here last week, uh, we did communion together and I like wept like a baby. Um, so I was gonna say like, I promise that that won't happen this week, but actually I have no idea. So um, if I cry, it's fine. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, it's okay. I'm not uncomfortable. You don't have to bring many tissues. I'll pull it together eventually. And if not, then the band will just come back up and then we'll, you know, we'll call it a day. So uh, we'll see where the Lord's gonna take us this morning. Um, but if you will, before we do anything, before we get into scripture at all, um, will you just just join me in asking the Lord to speak and to move, um, and then we'll go from there. <clears throat> Father, I thank you that, um, that you're here with us in this place. I thank you that your spirit um, dwells in us, in those of us who have committed our lives to you. I thank you that We don't have to invite you here because you're already here, and yet um, so often you wait for us to be willing um, to really do a mighty work. You don't force yourself on us. You come after us, but then you, you wait for us to invite you in, to join you. So God, we're asking you to do that this morning. Um, I'm asking, even though I know you're already here, I'm asking that your presence would be thick and that your spirit would speak, um, that your spirit would speak through your word, uh, that the truth that you want to communicate would be clear, and God, that anything that isn't from you would simply fall away, and that only your truth would remain. Father, would you make us men and women who want to know you more as a result of this morning, not because of me, and not because of the band, and not because of any of us in here, but simply because you reveal yourself to us today. God, we've seen you do it in the past, and so we're going to ask that you'll do it again this morning. Do something that's greater than we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' strong name, we ask these things. Amen. Um, Okay, so if you have been around for a while, or if we've had the chance to meet each other, um, you know that my job, uh, I'm a high school teacher, which is awesome and awful all at the same time. Um, And if you're a teacher, you understand. But you also know that um, I spend a lot of time talking about the summer, which probably makes some of you think she probably doesn't really like her job that much because she's talking about the summertime all the time. I was so offended when I first like went into the teaching field when people would say things like, the only reason you became a teacher is so you could get summers off. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. And now, um, about a decade in, I can tell you like, well, it's the reason I stay a teacher, that's for sure, okay? Because like the summers off are awesome. Um, And so uh, this has... Even as I've come into this weekend, right? Because it's Labor Day weekend, so hopefully lots of you have off tomorrow. It's like we've been in school for two and a half weeks and everyone has been counting down to this weekend already. You know, we've done 12 days of school and we're like, thank you, Jesus, for a Monday off. Like, how are we going to do the rest of this year? I have no idea. And it's, I think it has started to cause me to realize that when I think about like the good life, you know, my like the, the idea of like a perfect day for me is that I wake up and I don't have anywhere that I have to go. I can just like, 
I can get out of my bed whenever I feel like getting out of my bed and I can eat whatever I want and I can drink like 12 pots of coffee if I want to because like that's all I have to do. And if I wanna read three books, I'm gonna read three books. I don't have to go to my job. I don't have to have these 16-year-olds asking me the same question over and over and over again. I don't have to grade papers. I don't have to go to faculty meetings. I don't have to have someone tell me what to do all day long. Like real freedom is found in being able to call my own shots. I get to decide where I go, when I go, what I do. I'm in control. And I started to think about this actually um, in the spring. And as I was thinking about this and as I was doing some reading in various passages of scripture, I was overwhelmed um, by something that the Lord started to show me. Now, maybe you'll think like, yes, Sarah, we've known this for a while. So if I'm just slow on the uptake, I'm sorry. Uh, Maybe this will be good review for you. Uh, But the Lord took me to the book of Genesis, okay? So that's where we're gonna start today. So if you're using a Bible underneath your chair, um, we're gonna be in Genesis 1, which is actually page 3, whatever. Um, So Genesis 1, you should be able to find it right at the beginning, okay? When when I started to think about like what freedom is, okay, and to give you a very condensed version of the backstory, um, last school year was a very challenging year for me in many, many ways. And I felt overwhelmed and burdened on a pretty regular basis. And so it's like all I was hoping for was to find some relief, to find some freedom. And so if you've ever been in a situation like that, you probably know that like our our natural tendency is to say, let me run away from these things that are hard. Let me run away from these things that are heavy. Let me go to a new city, a new job, a new situation, because in those new things, I will find freedom and I will find relief. If I can break away from all of these things that are like heavy on me and I can start to be the master of my own domain, then I'll feel free. And the spirit, not so gently, took me to Genesis chapters one, two, and three. And um, we're just gonna read one verse in chapter one, one verse in chapter two, and then we're gonna land in chapter three for a few minutes. Um, if you will, look with me at verse 28. Okay, so to give you the backstory, um, Genesis chapter one, God is creating the world. He's just created Adam and Eve, the first people. And he has placed them in the garden, we call the Garden of Eden. And he's giving them some instructions, okay? In verse 28, he says this. Then God blessed them, that's Adam and Eve, and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Okay, I just told you that when I think of freedom, I think of like a day when I don't have to go to work. My guess is that you probably feel the same way. Or if you're a student, you think of freedom as like, finally the semester is over and we can do whatever we want. I don't typically think of freedom as being connected to work. And yet when God first created the world and he created it good and there was no sin in the world yet, there's no brokenness in the world yet, there's no uh, disagreement or division between husband and wife, there's no division between humanity and God. 
There's no brokenness between the people and the, the physical world that they live in. The very first thing that we discover is that part of this freedom of the good life, the perfect life, involves work. Now, I don't love that, okay? Like, my gut says, like, I don't love that. Because maybe you have heard or you have learned or you have kind of absorbed into yourself this idea that, like, someday when all of this passes away and we are finally in eternity with Jesus forever, we're just going to be, like, hanging out. Because, like, work was part of the fall, you know? Like, they sin, and then God's like, now everybody has to get a job, you know? Like, that, 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 like that's how we imagine it. And, and yet the reality is, like, no, no, no. Before sin, before brokenness, before darkness ever came into the world, God said, I have something for you to do. I want you to take care of the world. I want you to be gardeners I want you to be farmers. I want you to, to fill the earth, right? That's the one, that's the part of this verse that everyone like latches onto. Like God said, have lots of babies, right? Like that's where we stop. That was part of it. But even think about like what that meant. God said, like, have a whole bunch of children. Now, those of you who have children, you know, like that's not like vacation. Like once the children get here, it's like, what did we just do? You know, like now they never sleep and they never stop talking. And like, oh my gosh, they're here for 18 years. And then you have more, right? And you're just like extending the amount of time. You've got these small people in your house. God says, fill the earth and take care of it. Freedom originally involved work. Okay, now I want you to see another verse in uh, chapter two. We're gonna turn the page if you're in one of these under the chair Bibles or just scroll down a little bit if you're using your phone. Verse 15 in Genesis chapter two. So this is kind of returning to the idea. um, Genesis chapter two is like a retelling of Genesis chapter one. We don't have time to talk about all of that, but here we go, verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, again, this is before sin or brokenness or darkness has come into the world. There is no such thing as slavery yet or bondage or loss. And yet, not only has God said, part of your free, good, perfect life is to work, there's also a command to follow. Now, again, I'll be the first to tell you, when I think of like freedom, I think there's no boss telling me what to do. Now, you're all much godlier than I am, so you've never thought if I was in charge, I could do this way better than the guy who's the boss over me. But I think that sometimes, right? Like if I were in charge, here's what I would do. And usually what I would do is like of the most benefit to me, you know? Like I would take my responsibilities and make other people do them. Like if I were in charge, I would have less work and other people would have more. We think being free means that I'm free from anybody ruling over me. And yet, original freedom 
Because like, look, we're fooling ourselves if we believe that before sin entered the world, these people weren't the most free that they could be. There was no sin, no brokenness, no heartache, no division. And in that, God says, I have a job for you and I have a command for you to follow. We think of freedom as being free from anything that could be over us, but we're misunderstanding what freedom is about. Freedom is about tying ourselves to the right authority. Now, I have to tell you the truth. I don't like that. Like in my gut, I don't like it. I do not like being told what to do. And so this is the rub for me as a Christ follower, Because like, I want the good things that Jesus has for me, but then sometimes Jesus tells me to do things and I go like, well, maybe tomorrow. Like I want freedom from sin, but I don't know if I want the freedom that comes from being bound to him. We begin to tell ourselves this lie about what freedom is. We, We tell ourselves, if I were really free, I could do whatever I wanted. And yet original freedom involved work and involved a command. Now, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Genesis chapter 3 because if you're thinking this, you are not the first one to have thought, that is hard for me. The enemy knows our proclivities. The enemy knows that we struggle with this idea of having someone rule over us of having someone who is an authority over us. The enemy knows that. And if you look at Genesis chapter three, we're going to see where this first begins to unravel. Genesis chapter three, starting in verse one. The serpent was the shrewdest of all of the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he, noted, one day he asked the woman, did God really say to you, that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, the serpent is representative of the enemy. Uh, Sometimes we call him Satan or the devil. And notice what happens in this very first verse of chapter three, which if you've been around Christianity for a while, you know, Genesis chapter three is where the fall is described. It's where humanity first chooses to walk into sin. Notice what he says to her. He says, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Now, the answer to that question is like, actually, no, that's not what he said. He said, you can eat the the fruit from any of the trees except this one. And yet the enemy is attacking the very same part of Eve, the woman that he attacks in us. Are you sure that you're really free? This thing that God has said to you, these boundaries that God has placed around you, are you sure that you really want to live inside of those? Really? He begins to plant this seed of doubt. The enemy's no dummy, right? He very rarely comes to us and demands that we turn our backs on our God and walk away. He simply asks a question that stirs something inside of us. And we end up in a place where we we have to choose. And so look at the way that the woman responds in verse two. 
Now, credit to her because she, she tries to correct him. Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now, the woman begins to correct the enemy, but look at what happens. The seed of doubt that he has started to plant in her is beginning to stir because she misquotes God. God didn't say that they couldn't touch the tree. God said, don't eat the tree. Don't eat the fruit from the tree. Don't eat the tree either. That's like a bad idea, okay? It's not a good idea at all. Now, probably if you're not supposed to eat the fruit from the tree, like touching the tree would not be a good idea, but, but notice what she's done. She's taken the boundary that God has given her and she is now verbally saying, actually, the boundary is way worse than what he, what he originally said. She is taking what God has said to her and she's beginning to twist it in her own mind. God is unreasonable. This is the tone that we begin to sense from her. Why would he say something like this to me? Why would he tell me that I can't eat this tree or touch this tree? And if I do, I'm gonna die. Verse four, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The enemy says to the woman, this freedom that God has given you, you're not really free. You know how you'll be free? If you step outside of this boundary that God has given you, that's where freedom is. It's not inside the boundary of work and God's commands. No, 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 no. Real freedom, real freedom is over here. Step outside, just try it. See how much better it will be. And men and women, this is what we have been convincing ourselves of for the last millennia. We wrestle with this same struggle. We look at Jesus and we say like, I want to believe that you are good. And I want to believe that the life that you have called me to is good. But these boundaries that you're trying to put around me, that doesn't seem like freedom. Like we sing these songs about Jesus providing freedom and about Jesus setting us free. And we read these verses about Jesus setting us free, but I don't really feel free because man, the stuff that Jesus asks me to do is annoying sometimes. That's not freedom. Freedom is being able to do whatever I want. We wrestle with the same struggle that Eve was wrestling with. Do we believe that God's telling us the truth about where real freedom lies? Or are we being drawn away by the voice of the enemy that's whispering in our ear, I don't think that's freedom at all. You want real freedom, Sarah? Step across the line and let's see what happens. And so I know you know what's coming. If you look at verse six, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife 
heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. The enemy says, you want freedom? Step outside the boundary. You can find freedom there. And as soon as man and woman, Adam and Eve, step outside of the boundary that God has created, this new sense of freedom now fills them with shame, with guilt, and with fear. Now, I have dealt with my fair share of those three things, with shame, with guilt, and with fear. And I can tell you something that I know that you already know. There is nothing free about being shackled to those three things. That's not freedom. Feeling fear about being found out, feeling fear about what might happen in your future, feeling fear about, about how this person is going to impact your life. Feeling guilt over every thought that you have, over every choice that you make, and feeling shame. That kind of shame that makes you feel like, I hope no one ever brings up that situation from a few weeks ago again, because I'm so embarrassed by it that I just like, I can't even handle being part of the conversation. Some of you maybe still feel shame about things that you have done from decades ago. Like you're sitting around the dinner table with your siblings and with your parents and you're all grown and a story comes up in which you made a bad decision and you still feel your cheeks just flush with shame. We step outside the boundary that God has given us because we think it's going to give us freedom because ha ha ha, you're not the king, I'm the king. I'm gonna do whatever I want. And as soon as we step outside of the boundary, now my freedom has shackled me to fear, to guilt, and to shame. We live in a world, in a country, in a culture, in a world, in a society that tells us real freedom is found in doing you. The first time my students said that to me, I was like, what are we even talking about? You do you. You make your choices. You live your life. That's the good life. That's the dream. And we pursue that. Sometimes unknowingly, we pursue that. We say, yes, that's what I want. I want to be the master of my own domain. I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. And then we're not fulfilled. We feel broken. We feel empty, we feel embarrassed, we feel shame, we feel fear. And we look at each other and we don't even, we're too embarrassed to say it out loud. Like, this isn't working for me. Is it working for you? I don't know. Like, is this freedom? Is this it? This is it. This is what I've been looking forward to for my whole life to be like, no, I don't live in my parents' house anymore. I don't live in a college where there are people who are trying to tell me what to do. Like, I get to make my own choices and it's terrible. Yeah, because we've misunderstood what freedom is. Freedom isn't no authority. Freedom is choosing to bind yourself to the right authority. A pastor that I really like in New York City, he said it this way. He said, the fish must honor its design. Fish wasn't made for land. 
It was made for water. We find freedom when we find the right restrictions to live in. The fish isn't free as soon as it flops itself out of your goldfish bowl onto the table. No matter how great and wonderful that big wide world looks to that little fish, all of a sudden it's dying because it can't breathe because it wasn't intended to live outside of the bowl. We find freedom when we learn which restrictions we're supposed to live inside of. And so look now, man and woman, they have chosen sin. They have chosen separation. They have chosen to go their own way. And so God says to them, the road is now going to be hard, but it's not a dead end because I'm going to make this right. And so then as we work our way from Genesis 3 all the way until the New Testament, we begin to see story after story after story of these men and women who are trying to make sense of how do I find real freedom? And the common denominator for these people is over and over again, they are striving. They're trying to do it on their own. They're trying to be good enough on their own. They're trying to make it work on their own. And then finally, thank God, Jesus comes. And Jesus does for us what we never could have done for ourselves. He pays the price for our sin. This thing that happened in Genesis chapter three, Jesus comes and he undoes the curse. But now we are left with an option because many of you sitting in this room, I know that you have decided that you're going to follow Jesus. You made that choice as a child or as a teenager or as an adult, at some point, many of you said, I don't want to do it on my own anymore because I can't. I want Jesus's blood to cover my sin. And yet, so many of us continue to try to strive on our own. This is me. I am always trying to make it work on my own because I hate asking for help. And I hate having to tell you or anyone that I fail because I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be one of those people. I'm good. I'm godly. I love Jesus. I speak at my church sometimes. You can't admit that you've done something wrong. And so I like grin and bear it and try to muscle down and be as good as I can. That's not freedom. That's a lot of frustrating work. And so this brings us to uh, Galatians chapter five, okay? Because some of you are thinking like, we're running out of time and is this where we're gonna end? Because this is depressing. No, we're gonna go to Galatians chapter five and it is good news. Um, If you're using one of these Bibles, it's page 893, 893. The book of Galatians is all about freedom, okay? So if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. But chapter five is kind of like the high point, okay? Verse one, so Christ has truly set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. Like when I read that verse, I feel like, oh my word, that verse was written directly to me. It might as well say, Sarah Nepper, this is what Jesus has done for you. Christ has set us free. 
Now, don't get tied up in, in slavery again by subjecting yourself to the law. And some of you are thinking like, well, I don't know what that means. Okay, uh, very quickly, let me break it down for you. This is what Paul is gonna say in the next like 11 verses, two to 12. He talks about how these people, even though they've decided to follow Jesus, they're still using the Old Testament law and trying to like achieve all of these things because they think somehow that's making God love them more. And so they're getting all worked up about all these details and all these things that they can do in their own strength. And Paul says to them, this is not why Christ died. Christ died to set you free from your striving. The question that we must answer is what has Jesus set us free for? Because this is where I lose my, is where I lose my steps. It's where I get off track. When I think Jesus set me free, I think, cool, he set me free to like hang out in my apartment and drink more coffee than any human being should ever consume in a 12-hour period. That's what my freedom's for. My freedom is so that like I never have to go to work ever again. Thank you, Jesus, bring the kingdom, right? No, no, no. He set me free from my fear, my sin, my shame, my bondage. But he set me free from those things and he set me free for a purpose. And this is where I lose my way. And this is where I, I believe many of us get off track. Look at verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole command can be summed up, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus set me free. He set me free from my sin. He set me free from my shame. He set me free from my brokenness. But he set me free from that striving so that I could serve and love people. He set me free from myself so that I could serve others. Most of us don't think of freedom and servanthood as being the same. We think of them as opposites. If I'm free, I'm not serving anybody. If I'm free, somebody's probably serving me. This is not the way of Jesus. Real freedom is only found when I recognize I cannot do anything on my own. I am not good enough and I am not strong enough. But because of Jesus, I have been set free to love other people and not just the easy ones. I've been set free to love the people that make me go crazy. The people that I think when we get to God's kingdom, I hope that their house is far, far away from mine. Right? I mean, like, you all have those people and you're lying if you don't. Like, if that person is my next door neighbor for eternity, this is going to be a long time. <laughs> These are the people that Jesus says, I have set you free from yourself and I have set you free to love and serve others. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did for us. Because if I'm actually going to say that Jesus has changed me, that I'm not the old Sarah Nepper anymore, that I am a new creation, 
which is what 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, I'm a new creation. There is something new happening inside of me. Then I got to stop acting like the old Sarah Nepper. Because the old Sarah looks at people and says like, you're annoying, you're annoying, you're annoying. Stay over there. I don't really want to deal with you. But the new Sarah says, how could Jesus love me when I was so ugly and wicked? And if he could love me like that and set me free from all of those things, then I better start loving the people around me that way. I better find a way to serve the people that make me crazy not because I'm strong enough or because I'm good enough or because I'm trying to prove something to you or prove something to God. No, but because if I understand real freedom, then I understand that freedom is not running around outside of the boundaries, but it's recognizing I can only be free when I am connected to my God. And he's worth connecting myself to because he sacrificed his son for me. Who is better than that? Nobody. And if I'm going to connect myself to him, then he looks at me not with anger and not with malice, but he looks at me with love and he says, oh, my daughter, if you want the best life possible, you got to live inside this boundary. Even when you don't understand it, even when you don't like it, because it's where real life and freedom is found. It's here. It's here. So this morning, as we walk out of here just in a few minutes, here's what I would like for you to think about, what I would like for you to consider, what I hope the Spirit is beginning to stir in your heart. If you've been set free from your sin, from your shame, from your guilt, are you thinking about what he has freed you for? Have you been so caught up on what you've been freed from that you have forgotten that your Jesus freed you for something? And like we saw in Galatians chapter five, he freed you for the purpose of loving and serving other people. Are you doing that? Because I have to be honest with you, for a lot of months, I have not. I've loved the easy ones and ignored the hard ones. And the Spirit is saying, it has to change. If you want real freedom, if you want to be free from sin and shame and fear, you got to live inside the boundary, Sarah. You have to live inside the boundary because this is where freedom is found. Will you pray with me? Father, I ask this morning that you would do a radical shift in us because we have a hard time believing that freedom could mean anything other than I'm in charge. So Father, I ask this morning that you would help us to understand that freedom from must include freedom for. Spirit, I ask that you would move in this place. I ask that you would stir in our hearts. I ask that you would convict those of us who need to be convicted. Thank you for doing that in my life. Keep doing it, please. Show me the ways that I miss it, that I am so grateful for freedom from sin, shame, fear, but that that I don't jump into, here's what I've been freed for. Jesus, will you help us to see 
that life inside your boundary is the best life. That life inside your boundary is the only way to experience goodness and freedom that is real and that is lasting. And Jesus, as we do that, will you continue to show us that we can't do it on our own strength? Some of us are thinking like, there's no way I am strong enough to deal with the things that you're calling me to. Yes, Jesus, bring us to the end of ourselves because we can't. And it's only in that place that we're willing to recognize that you have to do it for us. And that's what it means to submit to you. Jesus, do a good work in us today. We ask all of this in your strong name. Amen.